Today's sponsor is EveryPlate. Initially, I thought meal kits had to be expensive, that they were kind of a splurge. But as it turns out, EveryPlate is more affordable than groceries. Their quality ingredients come pre-portioned to help you save money and reduce food waste, you know, like the bag of spinach that I throw out every single week. You can skip the store and let every plate plan, shop, and deliver everything you need to cook a delicious meal at a consistently low price. For me, in the summer, I'd rather be out enjoying the sunshine than cooking. Every plate helps me do just that. Simple, stress-free recipes come together in just six steps and are ready in about 30 minutes or less. You can choose between 17 recipes that change every week and swap proteins and sides to your liking, so you can switch up dinner routines however you want. Every plate helps me experience more of my favorite things in life by saving me time and money, which means more money towards vacations, concerts, the list goes on. You can choose from classic plate, veggie plate, family plate, and easy plate preferences to serve up crowd-pleasing meals night after night. Try every plate for just $1.79 per meal by going to everyplate.com and entering the code SELFIE179. Again, that's $1.79 per meal at everyplate.com with the code SELFIE179. Today, our show is sponsored by Nutrafol. 30 million women are impacted by weakened or thinning hair. If you are among them, know that you're not alone and there is a solution you can trust to deliver results. Thousands of women have taken back control of their hair with Nutrafol. Nutrafol offers targeted formulas for women that are clinically shown to improve hair growth and thickness with less shedding through all stages of life. Healthier hair growth takes time. You'll begin to experience thicker, stronger, faster growing hair in three to six months. In a clinical study, 86% of women reported improved hair growth after six months of use. Nutrafol is physician-formulated to be 100% drug-free. They use medical-grade botanicals in consistently effective doses so you get the most reliable results. And no matter your stage in life, they have a solution. Nutrafol women's formulation is ideal if you're experiencing thinning hair loss caused by stress, dieting, overstyling, or environmental toxins. Their other formula, Women's Balance, is for additional hormone support for those with thinning hair through menopause. You can grow thicker, healthier hair and support our show by going to Nutrafol.com and entering the promo code SELFIE to save $15 off your first month's subscription. This is their best offer anywhere and it's only available to U.S. customers for a limited time. Plus, you get free shipping on every order. Get $15 off at Nutrafol.com. That's spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com with the promo code SELFIE. I'm Kristen Howerton, a writer and a psychotherapist. And I'm Rue Powell, an admitted workaholic and self-care Luddite. And you are listening to Selfie, a weekly podcast about women learning to take better care of themselves. We think self-care is important, but it can simultaneously be elusive. We don't lack information about it, but we don't always quite get there. So this podcast is dedicated to exploring different aspects of self-care, from the silly to the serious. We're looking at health, relationships, beauty, periods, and maybe a touch of the random. We also want to look at the hurdles we face that keep us from caring for ourselves like we should. To submit questions to me or Rue, or to Claire, our beauty expert, or BJ, our resident therapist, join us in our private forum by searching Selfie Podcast Community on Facebook. Hey guys, well, in today's episode, I'm going to be chatting with author Christine Coe. She is the author of a book called Minimalist Parenting, and we're going to be talking about what that means. We're also going to hear from BJ on the topic of what to do when you have a partner or close friend who is emotionally unavailable. And Claire is going to give us some advice on dark circles under your eyes. But first, I'm going to do a self-care check-in with Rue. Rue, how is your self-care going? It's going okay. I had been doing these regular, you know, trail walks slash runs, and I I borked a tendon. And so I had to go get an x-ray, and um, the the doctor said, I just have to baby it and kind of stay off it for 10 days. Oh, man. And my response was, you don't understand. I need to go outside and be in nature right now because Mm -hmm. we're in the middle of a pandemic, and that's what I need. And what else do you have? That's it. Right, right. What else? What else am I gonna do? Yeah, and I'm like, do I just learn how to do I don't know handstands and just run on a trail that way? Um, so then I uh, I had decided that I've been really interested in mountain biking, and. Uh, it's a natural like switch over from I guess trail running to mountain biking because you know the trails mm-hmm. and also it's so much easier on your joints. Yeah. Well, apparently everyone else in the country had this idea as well, and mountain oh bikes gosh. are just <laughs> sold out everywhere. Well, just so and you know, beach cruisers are too. They're all gone. Oh, Every bike I'm, is gone. 
I'm sure. And e- even like the used bikes are selling for oh, yeah. just so expensive. So I, <laughs> I walked into the bike shop and he was like, well, everything's sold out until, you know, maybe October. And by then it's, I'm like, oh, well, there goes the whole summer, you know? Yeah. So I'm, I'm a little bummed out, but otherwise fine. Um, you know, we haven't been doing any camps or really babysitters because we've been just so socially distant Yeah, that we haven't paid for any of those things. So I had a bit of a wild hair and I decided to rent a huge inflatable water slide. So That's, fun. It's, it's, it's big for, it's great for like adults too. And it was like a day of camp. I just we just blew it up. They came, they blew it up, and uh, the girls did that for an entire day. Came in sunburn, passed out by eight, like that kind of summer day. And so I felt, fun. yeah, that, that that's kind of what the doctor ordered. So yeah. I guess I guess self care is also thinking about like what do my what could my kids use right now too, and then how does that? Because you know it's nice to see your kids have fun in the middle of a very strange summer. Oh, I completely agree. I mean, I feel like a big part of what is kind of like keeping me running is like figuring out how to make this a summer for my kids because all of the normal trappings are gone, you know? Right. I will say, and I I never want to think too much on the bright side of COVID because so many terrible things have happened, but I've noticed my girls are a lot closer. Oh, yeah. And it was really nice. Like, I'll just catch them just hanging out and chatting, which isn't a thing that they've done before, maybe because they're a little bit younger, but, you know, just coming up with ideas and doing experiments on their own and just kind yes. of running out into the woods together, which I, I do think is is very sweet. Um, but yeah, just trying to find things because they can't, like, they can't even see their grandmother. They can't do yeah. any of the normal things. So uh, it was fun to just uh, surprise them and um, you know, they just saw this huge inflatable slide, like 13 feet high, uh, with like water going everywhere. And it was so much fun. I felt like such a cool mom. So it's so fun. It's kind of yeah. like, you have to do what you can in the middle of this. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Um, how about you? How's your self care going? Um, <laughs> mine hasn't been going super great. I'm still I've talked about this a little bit before. You know, Co-parenting in the middle of a pandemic is really complicated. And for the month of March and most of April, my kids were just with me full time because my ex was not willing to kind of follow. We had like a shelter in place and he wasn't following that. He was still going out to bars and stuff. And then he, you know, there was a good four weeks where he kind of pulled it together and agreed and like, I need to do what I need to do to see the kids. And he was taking the kids. He takes them two days a week. And then now we're back. We're back to him being vague about what he's doing, um, saying that it's not, you know, me saying, you know, can you kind of clarify for me where you're at with social distancing? And it's it's really hard because we never know. We never know each week if they're going to go to his house or not. And so like this Sunday, they were supposed to go over there and I texted him 30 minutes before it was time for him to pick them up. I said, did you social distance this week? And he just said, no. So Uh... that's how I found out, you know, and it's so hard because I never want my kids to feel like I don't want them here, you know? So it's like, I kind of have to swallow down, like, you know, I have to kind of go up in my room and cry um, but the bottom line is like, I'm so tired. I'm so tired. And yeah, I have them 100%, you know, and then when he doesn't mm-hmm. have them, it's not like he then says, but what can I do from a distance? You know, like, what phone calls can I make or what, you know, he just is done. He's gone. They're all mine. Every everything is mine to deal with. And so it's really, it's really difficult. And I, you know, it's so hard because, you know, you want to say that self-care is available to everyone and that everyone can find the time or that, you mm-hmm. know, like every, that self-care is an inside job and that, and that, you know, we can each have control over ours. But I, I, I have to say, I don't feel like I totally have control over mine right now. Like, I feel right. like it is very wrapped up in this other person who can choose to partner with me or not. And and it's, yeah, it's stressful. Yeah. I mean, it almost sounds, you know, it's like that kind of self-care that you're describing really comes from a place of 
where there's where there's frankly like privilege and different circumstances and you know not a pandemic and you know all of these all of these other things that just aren't being afforded to you right now and and not, and beyond that you're not even single parenting because single parenting means like eventually you swap out you're you're only parenting you're the only parent right now yeah and you know it's like i have my kids most of the time but those breaks were really important. You know, the, like I would get a break on, on Sunday night and I would get all day Monday. And normally it's not even like I spent those days doing self-care. I didn't. What I usually do Sunday night and all day Monday is I work my, my ass off because it's really hard to get any work done when they're here. Mm -hmm. And so it just feels like I lost my time to work. I lost any sense of just being by myself. Um, like I, I really don't have any time (laughs) for self-care because when they're here, like today is a perfect example. I was supposed to work all day. It's like I ended up having to help one frantic kid who couldn't find a selfie stick for this theater thing that she's in, that she's part of, like this virtual theater camp. And she needed a tripod, right, Mm -hmm. to be able to engage. And then another kid had their computer not hooking up to the internet. And then another kid started a summer school math class today that I had to track down a lot of info for. And like, Today at noon, I was like, okay, I haven't showered, eaten, or even worked yet today, and it's noon. And like, that's just every day, you know, mom crap creeps up when you have a lot of kids. Um, So then it's like, well, I guess I'll be working until midnight tonight. Right, right. And, And frankly, even for people that aren't in your situation, like, there's no tagging in a babysitter right now no or or like an aunt or or anyone or like a neighbor so it's really just you and you'd count on a co-parent to help you but yeah you know yeah and there's no like normally over the summer they would be involved in camps and so i would know okay you know girls have theater camp Jato was supposed to have football camp kemi is supposed to be in basketball camp and they would go out during the day and then they would come back and i would have that kind of reprieve to do the things i need to do but instead you know, when they're here, it's just they need a lot more things. <laughs> right. Know? Or even just the level of noise. Oh, yeah. Is, is distracting when it comes to work. Yes. So anyway, uh, I mean, I know that is big Debbie Downer, but that's what is honest is that just my, yeah, my co-parenting situation. And then it's just in addition to it being, you know, practically stressful, it's also just existentially stressful. Like it just feels very unfair. And there's a lot of kind of radical acceptance that I have to work through of just like, this is what it is. Like, it's not fair. It, you know, and it's, I struggle with that part too, of just that acceptance of like, no, this isn't fair. And I don't need to think about how unfair it is all day. (laughs) That does not help me. (laughs) Right. It's hard to get out of that loop. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, I hope this week is easier on you because that sounds incredibly stressful. Yeah, it is. It's very stressful. Very, very stressful. And it's stressful not to know every single week, like, what's happening. Yeah, because you can't even plan. Nope. No planning. Nope. So anyway, just I I think my best bet, honestly, my best self-care is just to say they're with me 100% of the time. And if they happen to be able to go to their dad's some weekend this summer, then it's a bonus, right? Like, and just accept it as for what it is. Yeah, I have a lot of thoughts that maybe aren't appropriate for a podcast, but I yeah. that just seems. Uh, I I will I will muzzle myself for now. I know. Um, well, there's. I I mean, I will say it's just it's the difficult thing because there's nothing I can do. Like, there's nothing I can do. I can't make him do anything. Right. You know. Right. Right. That's fair. So when I was a teen learning to shave my legs, my mom did not do me any favors by buying me really cheap disposable razors. If you grew up in as a teen in the 90s, you know the ones, and they left nicks and cuts all over me when I was trying to shave. So with two girls learning how to shave their legs right now, I am committed to making sure that they have good quality razors. Guys, I was probably well into my 30s before I realized the difference a quality razor makes. Today's sponsor is Athena Club. They have great razor kits that we have been using in our house for a couple months. The razor blades are awesome. They are surrounded by this water-activated serum that has shea butter and hyaluronic acid, so you get a silky smooth shave that actually leaves your skin soft and hydrated as opposed to stripped dry. 
dry. And their blades are spaced out to let hair and shave cream pass through easily so you don't have to make a ton of passes going over and over the skin to remove the hair. Fewer passes means less irritation to your skin, which cuts down on razor burn and ingrown hairs. The razor kit is only $9 with free shipping and it comes with two blade cartridges, a cute little magnetic hook for your shower storage, and your choice of a handle color. I personally chose the coral, but what I really like about it is they have a ton of different colors, black, white, pastel, neon. So if you have a big family like mine, everyone can have the razor in their own color so you don't get them confused. What I also love about Athena Club, you guys know I love automating things. You never have to worry about dull blades because they send refills on your schedule. You just choose how often you want them and they will send them automatically with free shipping. I would also highly recommend their cloud shave foam too. It's insanely thick and stays on while you shave so you don't have to reapply. It leaves your skin feeling very moisturized. It's really, really good. If you want to try a great quality razor that cuts down on the wastefulness of disposable razors, try Athena Club Razor Kit. You can get 20% off your first order at athenaclub.com with the promo code SELFIE. That's A-T-H-E-N-A-C-L-U-B.com with the promo code SELFIE for 20% off. We've talked a lot about skincare on the show and specifically tretinoin. If you're not familiar, it's a retinoid, which is an active vitamin A derivative that's used to improve the texture, tone, and appearance of the skin. Today's sponsor, Dear Brightly, has a product called Night Shift, and tretinoin is the active ingredient in Night Shift. This is the only FDA-approved retinoid for treating photoaging, which is premature skin aging due to long-term sun exposure. Tretinoin stimulates collagen production to prevent and treat signs of premature skin aging from years of sun damage, things like fine lines and wrinkles, dark spots, uneven skin tone, and big pores. Tretinoin can only be acquired through a prescription, but it's 20 times more potent than the -the over-the-counter retinol products. It's one of the most well-researched ingredients with over 50 years of research behind it for both acne and photoaging. I had a chance to try Night Shift, and I'm really liking it. I have the unfortunate experience of having both breakouts and wrinkles at the same time, and it's great for both. I have seen my fine lines decreasing. I've seen my skin tone looking better, and it feels really nice. If you've used an over-the-counter retinol before, you know it's really great, but a dermatology-grade retinoid is even better. Night Shift is their dermatologist-formulated serum that's tailored to your skin by doctors online. Dear Brightly works by you first of all starting by sharing your skin story with them, then a doctor evaluates your skin and your skin history. They then tailor your formula and write a prescription, if applicable, and your tailored serum will be delivered to you in the mail. It's super simple and easy. Head to www.dearbrightly.com and enter the promo code SELFIE to get 15% off your first order, which is their very best offer anywhere. That's S-E-L-F-I-E to get 15% off your first order at dearbrightly.com. You exercise, you eat well, but how are you training for mental health? Our sponsor, Apollo, is here to help us take control. When we're overly stressed, all of our best efforts at staying healthy tend to go out the window. We can end up tired, grumpy, and physically vulnerable. Apollo is a new wearable that trains your nervous system to be more resilient to stress. Apollo's gentle vibrations use your sense of touch to help you naturally self-regulate your sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous response, going from fight or flight to rest and digest in minutes. A healthier, more balanced nervous system means that you can focus, get to sleep, and stay healthy. Developed by physicians and neuroscientists, Apollo has been tested in multiple clinical trials and has proven to improve heart rate variability which is a key biometric of stress. The Apollo app features seven goal-based modes that let you choose how you want to feel, including focus, recover, sleep, wake up, and more. Apollo is a natural, easy way to stay energized and focused throughout the day and help you unwind to get the restful sleep you need. Apollo actually trains your nervous system over time, so the more you wear it, the less you'll need it to bounce back from stress. Try Apollo today and get 15% off your purchase at apolloneuro.com selfie. That's apolloneuro.com selfie for 15% off. Well, do you have any two thumbs up for the week? <laughs> I do. Well, I will share one of my two thumbs up. So I am trying, I, I've i never been a big like vitamin person, um, but I am trying to take some certain vitamins that have shown to be protective for COVID. Now, this doesn't mean that they prevent COVID, of course, nothing's preventing COVID, but just, you know, how can I boost my immune system right now? Um, and so one of those is 
vitamin C and vitamin B. So I have been taking a new super B complex that I found. It's from a brand called Pure Synergy. Um, It has all of the eight vitamins and it's organic and it is kind of like fruit and veggie based. So I am trying to take that super B complex and a vitamin C every single day um, just to keep my immune system up. Just, you know, God forbid in case I got COVID and, you know, hopefully I'm coming into that situation with everything optimal, going optimal. Do you feel a difference at all? No. Oh, no. I don't feel a difference. I mean, I I wouldn't think that you would feel a difference. I just always assume that, like, if I'm going to take a vitamin, I should just feel a little like like a superhero, like a superpower is growing inside me. <laughs> well, I mean, what's funny about that, you you know, that you say that is I think that's why I've never taken vitamins because I'm like, well, I don't feel any different, right? Like, right. And, and so I'm trying to kind of remind myself, like, this is a long-term thing. Like, you know, like this is building stuff up at the cellular level. And so, no, I'm not going to feel anything, but I'm going to do it even though I don't feel anything, which is a bit of a stretch for me. (laughs) Well, it's funny that you say that because, you know, frankly, I'm on these PTSD meds right now. Yeah. And I'm like, is this really doing much for me? I mean, I suppose so. You know, I'm trying it. And then two nights in a row, I forgot to take the PTSD meds. And now these PTSD meds are only supposed to help me like have solid sleep and not. And so I don't have nightmares, right? which is it's strange. I had no idea they had like a medicine that could do that. Um, And like the side effects are it's essentially like blood pressure medication, too. Mm -hmm. So you have to, you know, be careful that you don't get too dizzy or pass out. And so I didn't, I guess I forgot, like I kept falling asleep on the couch. So I didn't take it for two nights. And here I am going, I'm not sure my PTSD meds are doing much. And I had the craziest nightmare the second night. Interesting. You know, one of those where you like just wake up and you're just sweating. Like I had soaked through my shirt. I was like, oh, right. This is why I take PTSD meds. There you go. There you go. (laughs) That's so crazy that a medication can like stop your nightmares. That's so wild. Right. And I'm I'm like, I'm like, well, is there something that gives me like really amazing dreams where I know, right? Like what, 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 what else you got in that cabinet, Doc? (laughs) Um, I think you have to buy that one off the street. (laughs) (laughs) It's not at the CVS pharmacy. No. No. Um, And then I have one more for two thumbs up. And this one is actually a product that um, Kembe has been using, but I wanted to recommend it for anybody with really curly hair. It is the brand is called EcoSlay. It's a black owned, 100% homemade company. So they make all of their products. Um, but this one he's been using, it's called Orange Marmalade Flaxseed and Aloe Curl Definer. And it smells like it smells like a dreamsicle. So it smells so good. Um, and it works really, really well. It's really nice. Um, so anyway, if anybody out there has curly hair or curly headed kids and you want to support a black owned business and have your hair look nice, um, EcoSlay is a really cool company. Yeah, my my youngest has crazy curly yeah. hair, and it's always uh, a it's always a heartache to try to keep her hair tamed. So I'll I will get that for her for yeah. sure. What do you have? Um, so you know how we had it was was it a couple episodes ago that we were like. It feels like we've had this release because of COVID where we it's almost empowering to not do all like the usual self-care things like yes. get your nails done or like dye your hair. Yes. And we're all just kind of walking around like being our crunchiest self. Totally. I am suddenly over that. Yes. It's so funny because uh, I'm at the same place. Yes. Well, it's because I'm just kind of like, why do I always look just a little bit dirty? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I feel like I'm just... So I think it, it was like I was just been running around wearing, you know, Nike running shorts and sneakers or sandals mm-hmm. and a T-shirt and I'm always sweaty and I never look nice. And so I thought there's got to be a way to split the difference. Like I don't need to have my hair blown out and my nails done, but maybe I don't need to look like I'm just constantly rolling around in dirt. So I am doing a very low maintenance, low maintenance, like I wake up you know, wash my face, moisturize, sunscreen. And instead of nothing else, I'm doing, I'm using like, um, like one of those multifunctional makeup tools, right? So oh, yeah. it's, it's the Julep multi-stick. And so I just put it's just a little color on my cheeks and my lips and a little even on my eyes. And you can, can use do, this on all of those things. Yeah. So like eyeshadow, uh, eyeshadow, blush, oh, uh, lip color. I like and this. And so that, and then mascara, 
and mm-hmm. that's it. And then I'm done. Yeah. And it's just, I feel like a little bit more presentable what I'm doing. Um, I don't know, like a Zoom call or I'm running an errand. Even with even with the mask on my face, it's nice to have like mascara on. Yes. Um, and I just, it just, I don't know what it is. I feel like I'm feeling a little bit more human, if that mm-hmm, makes sense. Mm-hmm. And a little bit less like we're in this, you know, dystopian, post-apocalyptic you know, or like someone's always bleeding. Well, I think we've all sort of recognized like, oh, we're in this for the long haul. Like this isn't like a, you know, this isn't like a short little weird time. Like we all have to like live in this for a while, you know? Right. I think that's it. And I was like, okay with going Hunger Games for like a month. Right. right. But now I'm like, I need, I need to look. And I, I really do think it, it affects how I feel mentally. Oh, like if I, I do too. So my uniform, again, like wake up, you know, shower, sunscreen, and then, you know, a little bit of makeup and then like a, a cute t-shirt. Like it's still casual, but a t-shirt and either like joggers or boyfriend jeans. Um, I was even looking for one of your uh, Mrs. Roper captains, but I didn't find one that I liked for me. And I just feel, <laughs> I feel, I just feel a lot more like me. Totally. With, you know. Um, but I'm not like flat ironing my hair or anything, doing anything r- ridiculous. Not, not that that was ever ridiculous, but doing anything like super uh, labor intensive. Well, I did. I will tell you, I finally went and bought a few mo- new um, rompers or, you know, Mrs. Roper caftans <laughs> for myself just okay. because I was kind of wearing out the same ones. And um, I wanted, you know, a little more structure, like – I think if it has a waist, it, you know, you look like you're actually dressed instead of just wearing it, a caftan. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I um, like I even just walked downtown and I didn't I was still socially I was still social distancing. I wasn't like hanging out with anyone. Yeah. But even just like walking downtown in real clothes. Yeah. Felt really good. Yes. And I ordered I ordered a latte and sat outside far away from everyone, but still downtown. And I felt like the world was normal for like five Oh my gosh, minutes. totally. I, th- you know? I think that we all need those normal, normalcy moments. Yeah. Right now. Yeah. T- totally. So my other two thumbs up is um, I've been out in the sun a lot mm-hmm. and I can tell that I already have a little bit of sun damage because I have more freckles than I did. And I've been really good about applying sunscreen, hmm. but you're supposed to do it more than just like once in the morning and I'm outside yeah. with the kids or I'm going for a walk or a run. So um, Supergoop has this thing called a, a defense refresh and it's basically like a, a facial mist. And <gasps> I just, what? so I put my, I put my sunscreen on in the morning right? and then I keep this little bottle in my fanny pack. And if I'm out, I'll just spray my face a little bit just for a little bit of extra protection. And it's SPF, it's SPF 40. And um, I love that. I really, I really like it. And when I first saw it, I had when I first looked it up, am, there was one bad review on Amazon that said the spray thing is weird, and I was like, ah, maybe I don't want to spend my money. But then I picked it up at like a local store, and I used it, and I've loved it, and I'm on my second bottle, so it's a it's a winner for me for sure. I really like that idea because that's the reason I usually don't reapply. Is I'm like, well, I don't want to mess my makeup up. I don't want to take everything off and put it back on. Right. So I love this. I'm totally actually, ordering this. It's actually called a setting mist. So yeah. it can go right over your right over your makeup. Brilliant. Um, and they have powders too, but I never liked the powders because especially if you're just like a little bit sweaty, powder over sweat is a little like, ugh. So I like this mist a lot. Love it. Today we're going to be talking with author Christine Coe. Christine is the co-author with Asha Dornfest of the book Minimalist Parenting. She and Asha are also the co-hosts of a podcast called Edit Your Life. And her whole vibe is about simplicity. And I'm excited to talk to her about that topic. Do you feel like it has been a a discipline for you to be a more minimalist parent, to, to opt out of doing everything? Do you feel like it's come naturally? Or do you feel like this is something that you have to kind of actively work at? Um, Okay. Well, I find that at at the beginning, you know, when this was all, when I was writing more and thinking more about it and just trying to put it into practice. And I will say the, the act of putting it into practice, which sounds very like lofty and whatever was from making a crap ton of mistakes with my kids. You know, it was, it was 
forcing myself, my, my four-year-old to go to the pool and do swim lessons because that's what good children do and mm-hmm. children need water safety and I have water trauma. So it was like more about me than it was about her. Mm-hmm. And then the kids like standing in the pool sobbing, like who's going to learn how to swim like that, right? Yeah. So it's, it's all these moments that stacked up where I was like, okay, I just need to back up a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I found that as I went, a lot of the times it was mostly the act of taking a few seconds of pause before like mm-hmm. immediately jumping and responding to something Yeah, that, that changed the game entirely. Mm-hmm. Just to, just to bring it to an example that this is one of my favorite examples to give people, because I feel like for moms, especially um, there are just so many shoulds. And one of these places where this crops up a ton is like, well, you know, school commitments and like mm-hmm. volunteering, which yes. is like a real hot button issue for me. And so I decided, yeah, yeah. I decided, you know what, um, you have to plug into volunteering if you wish to, in a way that works for you. Mm -hmm. So when the, when the email asked to volunteer at the bake sales comes table comes around, am I going to staff the table? Never, ever. I don't like standing there. I don't like dealing with other people in that capacity, Mm -hmm. but will I bake? like four trays of stuff and mm-hmm. drop it off. Absolutely. Yeah. Because I love yeah. baking and that's yeah. like where I'm happy. So I feel like it's, it's almost just like these little shifts and micro adjustments along the way to be yeah. like, okay, is this, am I really doing this in a way that's authentic to me? Yeah. I love that. I mean, I think that volunteering at school thing is, is such a, um, such a good example of like, you know, women needing it and men too, needing to figure out like, what are you good at? And also what, what doesn't add to your emotional labor, you know, Uh like what, where, where is it that you can plug in if you have the time and margin to plug in, in a way that's not super exhausting? Because I mean, Uh I wrote about this in my book, like, I felt a ton of pressure, my kids went to a school with very high parental involvement, like absurdly high. And they were at a magnet school, you know, and it's great, but then you get a lot of intense parents Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) and there was tons of pressure to volunteer in the classroom once a week. Like that was kind of the, the school, the school ethos. And I really intensely dislike being around large groups of children, (laughs) like intensely dislike. I love my kids, but man, I, I... Truly, I have said before, there would be no job worse for me than being a teacher. Like, yeah. God love the teachers. But, you know, and so I finally, like, let myself off the hook. Like, I don't I don't actually need to go into the classroom. Like, I can make the spreadsheets. At the beginning of the year, I always reach out to the teacher. I'm like, hey, do you need a parent directory? I'll make it. Like, what can I do at home? <laughs> <laughs> that adds value by myself. Yeah. By myself. And I, and I figured that out, you know, I run the school website now or the PTA website, um, you know, but it's like, what can I do that actually adds value to the school, but that doesn't like make me crazy. Yeah, I, I, agree. I love that. And um, I will add, I think there's another layer and this is not, you know, the easiest work, but I think at some point we all have to kind of let go of this, like, I, this narrative of I think so and so is judging me for whatever because yes. I know that when I when my daughter started school and I worked on the internet and people didn't really know what I did for work mm-hmm. but so I would be at the pickups of the drop-offs and I wasn't I was probably wearing sweatpants or whatever totally so I think I in my mind people were making all these assumptions about me and yeah. judging me for not volunteering but I have no idea what their internal script is and does yes. it matter no yeah <laughs> So that's another like part of it, I think. Let me tell you that I I had forgotten that I did this, but when JAPTA was in kindergarten, I was so concerned with being judged um, (laughs) because I wasn't super involved that I would show up dressed for work. Like I would get dressed for a job to pick him up just to be like working mom here. (laughs) Not in my, I didn't just shower before I got here. Um, you know, which is absurd. I mean, and I think that is, you know, I think you're right. I think people aren't judging us as much as we think they are, but also if they are, maybe it's okay. Like, yeah, it's on them. I mean, yeah. yeah. (laughs) If your friends and loved ones know what you're doing and they know that you've worked the entire day in your pajamas and you're picking your kid up in your pajamas because you worked the whole day. Yeah. What are you going to do? Right. Um, So I want to ask you about, you know, in, in your chapter intro, you talked about you have all the things that you need, Mm -hmm. you know, like you, you have all the belongings and 
Um, I really love that because I also think sometimes we can get into this trap of we need to give our kids certain material things in order to for them to have a good childhood or we need to pay for certain lessons or we need to have certain, you know, and, and it and it does almost set up this the standard of good motherhood based on our finance finances and privilege, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So talk to me a, a, a bit about that idea of you actually have everything you need. Yeah. Well, you know, I will say, you know, as we, as we talk about in the book, I mean, this, the ability to even have this conversation about doing less and having less and all that comes from a place of privilege yeah. and, you know, a place of abundance. And I do think that, you know, a big part of this, experience and trying to figure out how to parent, you know, without all the shoulds and everything, a lot of it does have to do with unpacking childhood baggage, I find, you know, I, I grew up poor. Um, so as soon I remember with my first kid, as soon as those flyers for activities came, and I was the kid who always wanted to do all the activities. Mm. Um, like you, I wanted to be like a theater star in my next life, as well as a gymnast and a figure skater and all these things. So, you know, I, I would just push all these flyers on her. She didn't want any of them, <laughs> you know? So I think that part of us, we have to remember that our kids are likely very different people than we are. Mm -hmm. They're going to have different needs. So the things that are important to us, mm -hmm. um, they might, they might not care about, and that is completely yeah. fine. Yeah. So I think the, you know, the baseline that we're always, uh, that we're always operating from is okay. Like, where are we really at? And then how can we dial it back and, and do a little bit less from this baseline? I like calling it identifying your baseline of crazy <laughs> like and then that. figuring out how to like dial it down several notches. I like that. I like that. Yeah. It's interesting how our own childhood baggage kind of informs us as a parent and then sometimes steers us in a direction that maybe isn't, um, exactly what our kids need, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, my mom, my, well, my mom was habitually late. So I was habitually late. Yes. Um, mm -hmm. and, and so I have made like being on time, this sort of sacred cow. I mean, <laughs> I've almost, you know, made an altar of it. Um, not that my kids don't, you know, need to be on time. They do, but I can remember one day I picked my kids up. Um, and I was, I was a little late, but I was still the last person in line, right? So I were in the pickup line. There was still a line. There yeah. was still a line, right? <laughs> there wasn't a pause between me and the car in front of me. So yes, I was the last car, but I was still in the line. And my kids got in the car and they were like, they, I mean, they were freaking out. Like, mom, you're so late. Like we, we were worried and like, we didn't know what was happening. And I'm just thinking like, I've created little monsters, you know, like yeah. you don't understand any flexible, like they're completely flexible and they get in the car and I'm like, you guys, when I was your age, I sat outside the school for 20 minutes with a principal asking me when my mom was coming at least three days a week. I was a curb kid too, left on right. the curb after orchestra. It was so sad. Right. And I'm just like, man, I've, I mean, not that, you know, I'm not going to make it a practice of being late, but I, like, I haven't really taught them resiliency <laughs> because I've overcorrected with being so responsible. Right. Yeah, like, <laughs> right, right, right. Well, I, yeah, yes. And I also, you know, it's funny, just all these little, there are all these little factors. So just to one other factor. So this is like the baggage factor. And I, I love your use of the term overcorrection. I also think depending on where you live is also going to impact things. I mean, I'm right outside of Boston. It's pretty intense here. <laughs> and so I think that the, all these different choices that you make in order to do less and like have less and all these things, honestly, it requires a little courage and it requires mm -hmm. a little like bravery to like put your stake in the ground and say, yeah, I'm not doing it that way. Yeah. And I will say that I have found that every time pretty much if I'm talking about this in a public forum, and actually, this was part of the reason why I decided to write the book is anytime I had written about this idea of like, okay, I'm not doing it like that anymore. There's got to be a different way to do this. There would be like people reaching out to me saying, is that okay? Yeah. Like, that's okay to, to do that. And I'm like, yeah. yes, we just all, yes. there are so many of us feeling that we just need to just do it. Totally. But you're right. I mean, I think depending on where you live, that pressure can be really intense. I mean, I'm in Orange County. We mm -hmm. have apparently the number of Olympians that come out of our county per capita is like one of the highest in the world. Really? Sports are just incredibly intense here. Like you, you mm -hmm. can't just like 
when I, I, I feel like I grew up in Florida, mid central Florida. I mean, we weren't huge sports fanatics in Florida. And I feel like you could like in high school or junior high, you could hop into soccer, you could hop into football, you could, you know, uh-huh. hop into a sport here. It's like, if you haven't had them in club, then they won't even make the school team, you know, know. and, and then, and my boys, you know, they're decent at sports, but I've had people kind of taking me to task. Like, well, they're not going to like, they're not going to get a scholarship if you don't have them in club or, well, they're not going to, you know, Mm -hmm. they're not going to make the team if you don't have them in club. And I'm just like, well, first of all, like, is it sports scholarship our only goal here? Yeah. (laughs) Like, Like what? But, but also just like, I'm not, I just wasn't willing to give up our family rhythms and our life to a club sport where we were traveling every weekend, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. and it, but just the, the intensity and almost pressure of like, well, you're, I mean, you're holding them back if you don't, you know? Yeah. Sports are, are, that is like an issue. I just wish there was like a recreational option for Mm-hmm. Like all manner of sports, because, you know, I know that even when my eight year old, then eight year old or seven year old, no, it was eight year old. And it went to like travel soccer and we had to yeah. travel around and have two practices a week. And I was like, what is even happening here? Like, this I is, know. they just want to play. you know. So I know. And oh, like, okay. I remember when I was a kid also, like, I remember I took dance and I took gymnastics, but like I took a class once a week, whatever. Now it's like you put your kid in gymnastics and after a year, they're like, okay, well, we're going to put them on pre-team, which is four days a week or, you know, mm-hmm. like everything yeah, seems is crazy. Yeah. Everything seems to be leading to intensity, but there's, there doesn't mm-hmm. seem to be like casual activities anymore. I know. I know. But it does. It does make me crazy. And I mean, I'm somebody who, um, you know, I grew up a, and became a semi-professional violinist. Like yeah. I understand the commitment required to, you know, to pursue something and get really good at it, mm-hmm. you know, and I think for kids, for a lot of the things they're going to do in life, well, I mean, just based on statistics, most of them are not going to be elite athletes, you that's know? That's right. So <laughs> just, that's where I just kind of throw up my hands and, uh, I know, you know, it's difficult. Yeah, I know. I mean, when people are like, oh, you got to get them, got to get them. It's like, no, you know what I really want to yeah. get them is like a career path. Yeah. And also like your son who does all that cooking, like, I mean, that's a life skill. Like, yes, keep, keep pushing that. <laughs> well, I do feel like that. I do feel like I really want to push the life skills like that. That feels important because it feels like it's not, I don't know, that doesn't feel like it's at the center for parenting, right? Just teaching like, I don't know how to, how to take care of yourself, self-care, cooking, budgeting, like none of that stuff feels like we're really focusing on that. Mm-hmm. It's all this kind of performative stuff. Like, I agree. I am, I am a hundred percent obsessed with life skills. Like, um, and actually I will, um, I'll share a link with you after, but on the edit your life website, we have a like hundred life skills you can teach your kids in five, oh, I love five minutes or less. And they're really basic things, but it's, it's incredible. The, the argument I will never buy into, and I always call parents on, is, oh, I, I don't want my kids to do chores, or I can't, they don't have time because it gets in the way of extracurriculars and homework. Oh. Nope. Not happening. Like, no. I mean, and as you know, you know, chores, all that stuff, you know, you are helping them become a functional human being. Oh, completely. And as, as somebody who had a sibling who was, like, living at home till they were 40 and didn't know how to run a laundry machine, you don't want your kid to be, like, lacking these basic skills. In life. Uh-uh. No. And I also, I mean, I know you and I are big on empathy, you know, like mm-hmm. that that's a, you know, a, a big value for raising your kids. And to me, it's difficult for a kid to, to, to come into their full empathy if they don't think they have to help with the living in their yes. home. Does that make sense? Like yes. if a kid doesn't think, well, it might be my turn to clean out the fridge or it might be my turn to make a meal or clean up from the meal. Then they just think the world revolves around them and that people are there to serve them. Like I, I, I truly think kids learn empathy by understanding like I am a piece of this whole function and I'm, yes. I have to add to it, you know? Yes. And actually just, and maybe this is a term that you already know from your therapy work, but one thing that, uh, so my husband is a therapist, as you know, and you know, one concept uh, or phrase that he we talked about talk about all the time is that of like the family system. Yeah. And so, you know, related to sort of the empathy development, I feel like 
with the extracurriculars, one thing that we keep just gently, you know, gently pushing forward all the time or, or imparting on our kids is any one of us in the family, any of our decisions impact all the rest yes. of us. If I decide to go on a business trip, that's going to impact everyone. Yes. If we're driving one of you to sports five days a week, then that's going to impact everyone. Mm-hmm. And so I think that actually is, it's a little nuanced thing that I'm not sure a lot of parents kind of have wrapped their heads around, but I think it's mm-hmm. so crucial to start talking about because I so agree. it helps with empathy. It helps yeah. kids be less self-centered. I know that's yes. age appropriate, but it's annoying. right. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's age appropriate, but I do, I think, I think considering people outside yourself is a really underrated <laughs> skill for children. The most massively underrated. the most underrated. Right? And yeah. it's like, it's one of the most important to me. It really is. Like, I just feel like, you know, if my kids are not prodigies, at least they'll have empathy. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, at I least. Agree. Yeah. I agree. So for you, I'm curious for you, what what are some of the things in order to maintain, you know, a minimal minimalist approach? What are some of the things that you have chosen to opt out of? I mean, I know you mentioned PTA. What are some things that maybe, maybe feel like shoulds, maybe feel like pressures that you've said, I'm going to step out or minimize in my life? Yeah, I would say um, it, it might be less, um, less black and white, but it's more like sliding scale. Yeah. So, so for example, with PTA, it's not like I'm not, I'm not a formal uh-huh. member, I don't think, but, <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I will take a level of involvement that probably is mm-hmm. a two on the one to 10 scale. Of yeah. involvement, Right. Yeah. Um, with my kids, I tell them it's one activity a season. That's yes. all I got. That's all I got yep. bandwidth for. Yep. Um, so that's a more of a hard line. Um, you know, now, well, with travel in general, I try to limit, you know, generally speaking, a certain number of trips a year so that I'm not on the road all the time, because I did have one year where I was on the road all the yeah. time. And it was, it was a family breaker. I had a, a year like that too. And I, yes, did the it's same su- thing. We all suffered. We all it's suffered hard. a lot. Um, and, you know, I think that in daily life, I think the biggest thing that is sort of an ongoing practice is that I find that I'm in continual edit mode. So mm-hmm. I call this, I think we, we talk about it in the book and certainly on the edit your life podcast of time, but I'll look at my week ahead and I'll be like, okay, what are the calls and the tasks that I could just clear off and I'm just going to skip them and I'm not going to do them. Yeah. Um, and that actually is a very handy tactic when you're in like a place of extreme duress mm-hmm. <laughs> because mm-hmm. just making that stuff go away and just yeah. popping out. Is yeah. really powerful. So, yes. and we do the family edit on the calendar, you know, routinely as well, like mm-hmm. so that the kids can see that, you know, sometimes you got to opt out of stuff. And yeah, that has been really important. Well, I mean, I'm glad you brought up your podcast because I think that is such a helpful tool for people who are like, I don't know how to start. And, you know, I want to do this, but I'm not sure you guys have a podcast literally called Edit Your Life that <laughs> is so practical, you know, yeah. and I, that's what I've always appreciated about you know, your platform too, is that it's all very relatable and practical. Like it's not, you you. know, it's not, (laughs) it's not way over here. Like, you know, Oh, if I could do this, it's, it's just like, it's, it's, I don't know, like grace filled and reasonable, you know, approachable. That's so kind. I mean, that is the goal. Like, I mean, we are all tremendously overwhelmed and I feel like the space where I'm so passionate about is really helping people find those little 10 to 20 minute things that they can do to sort of like just edit something out, yeah. make their life a little better, create a little breathing room. Because yeah, I mean, honestly, sometimes we literally only have 10 minutes. Isn't that the truth? It's the truth. Yeah. Yeah. Well, last question for you, because, you know, I do a podcast on self-care and we've had you on before. I love um, it so much. And I will yeah. link up to that. Um, episode as well, but what is self-care looking like for you, you know, in, in these months of being in a pandemic and, you know, being surprised with maybe having our children home more often than we were used to and all of these changes, like, are there any practices of self-care that have carried you through this season? Yeah, I think the, you know, there, there are all the basic ones that make a lot of sense, like, you know, eat well, drink a lot Mm -hmm. of water, move, all that stuff. I will say that I think one of the 
biggest ones that might sound a little surprising, but I think you will appreciate as a therapist is I have been working really hard on expressing my emotions. Yes. Because I, uh, I'm jokingly referred to as robot Christine because, um, (laughs) we are the same person. Christine, because listen, it was, it, we are the same person. I, it's ridiculous. Right. But I, I'm not sure. Well, you know, perhaps you'll be want to share, but when I was a kid, I lived, my growing up was very chaotic, um, sometimes unsafe. Mm-hmm. And it was very, very dangerous to express your emotions mm-hmm. of any kind. Um, mm-hmm. certainly negatively. Yeah. Uh, so as an adult, I have grown to learn if I, I can be happy, that's great. But anything that's yeah. like angry, sad, yeah. anything that's on the sort of negative valence, yeah. I push it down, literally shut down, push it down, look like a robot. And at one point I was having a conversation with my husband and he's like, you're upset. I'm like, no, I'm not. He's like, I can see tears in your eyes. I'm like, no, they're not. They're not, there are no tears there. So I have, um, I actually, you'll love it for Christmas. My mother-in-law gave me a children's emotion chart, you know, the, I love it. Yes. I've been working on getting in touch with that. And I love that. Just letting myself, um, break down when I need to break down mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then, you know, work on finding those moments of joy and connection, whether it's with people or mm-hmm. things that I love doing, um, in order to sort of like reel my, myself out of the dark side. Yeah. So it's a kind of weird self-care practice to say, yeah, let myself have a big cry. So every no. now and then. Listen, I has to go somewhere. I understand that so much. Yeah. And I mean, therapeutically, it's like, we have to feel our feelings. If we yes. are, if we are constantly in a state of not feeling our feelings, they're just going to be there and they're, you know, they're going to pop up and infiltrate everything. Right. If we don't t- give them the space to like kind of bubble up and. Yeah. I will say the two like most inconvenient ways that manifests is one digestively. I'll just leave that there. We, and then... <laughs> we are the same person. <laughs> and then two is yes. the, the other not great way is that then I'll all of a sudden have a moment where I kind of snap at my kids and, yeah. and I will yeah. be irrationally, I will yes. get irrationally upset at them about something. Yeah. Cause I'm, it's totally not about that. It's something about yeah. something else. So for sure, let it all out. Oh, it's so tough. Yeah. My, um, analogy is not robot, but mine is duck. And I had a therapist tell me this, that I am like a duck who is gliding across the water seems fine, but underneath is like paddling furiously. Oh. You know, and, um, and that I'm always just trying to, you know, hide the paddling. And so my, mm. my boyfriend will say, you're being a duck. I love it. Kindly, love it. you know, but just like, I think there's more feelings underneath, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. but yeah. I've been trying because... to give names to my different identity. There's like petulant Christine who comes oh, to play sometimes. And then there's I love like that. happy Christine. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Working on it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Oh my gosh. All right. Well, where can people find you online? I think the easiest, I do a lot of things on the internet. You do. <laughs> I have my blog and, you know, the book and the podcast, podcast. And cre- mm-hmm. creative director. So christineco.com. Yep. Oh, and I recently redesigned. So it's super cute. It's a good place It's go. so cute. And yep. by the way, <laughs> let, let me mention that my daughters are in awe of your cake making abilities. Oh, I mean, so you have sweet. a strong cake game happening. Cake game. So that, that is like a creative therapy. That is like right. super type A. Yes. Like, yeah, but it's fun. Hi guys, I'm BJ and I'm an emotional wellness coach. I have a private practice with clients all across the States and abroad where I focus on trauma, attachment wounds, and the roles they play in how we show up in our lives today. I don't know about you, but I find self-care to be most elusive when it comes to my mental well-being. So I'm here to share in the journey of emotional self-care. I'd like to talk today about what we can do when we're in a relationship with someone who's not in the same place we are emotionally. This question came up from several of our listeners, and the descriptor used to describe their partners and friends was emotionally unavailable. It's my hope that our conversations on avoidant attachment recently have shed some light on this, but I think there's a bigger question here that's important to talk about. I work primarily with individuals in my private practice, but we spend a lot of time talking about the other people in their lives, usually a partner or maybe a parent or a sibling or a friend. So here's the thing. Let me show you how attachment wounds typically show up. You ask your husband a question. His response is less than satisfactory to you. 
You get triggered by his response. You react. Your reaction triggers him. He reacts. An argument ensues. And the next thing you know, one or both of you is bringing up things that have absolutely nothing to do with whatever the argument began over. Sound familiar? Here's what really happened. You asked a question. He hears an accusation. This has nothing to do with you. This has everything to do with some dynamic with his mother in childhood. You are now his mother, and you are passive-aggressively accusing him of something, so he is instantly defensive. His inner child has shown up, and this grown man sitting in front of you is now seven years old reacting to his mother. You're confused by this, but it doesn't register as confusion. It registers as distrust. That's because it reminds you of a dynamic in your own childhood. And now the little six-year-old in you is triggered and she's fighting with her father. And she doesn't even realize it. The language, for a while at least, is based in the original conversation. But before you know it, one or both of you has managed to segue into this conversation of never and always that really doesn't even make a lot of sense. And honestly, doesn't matter because what's actually happening here is two frightened little children are fighting with each other about adult things that children have no ability to figure out. And you've both gotten lost in your inner child space and don't know how to get out. Now that's one scenario. And to be honest, if I know nothing about our listeners, I do know this. You are an amazing group of emotionally intelligent women. You've done your work. This scenario I've described is likely to be a little more one-sided in your reality. And that's when things get tricky. So when my clients bring these scenarios into our conversations, I will listen to the whole story. And I might even comment hypothetically based on things they've shared with me already about their partner's family of origin or issues that they've dealt with in the past. I might even share on ways that their partner might be acting out in their attachment orientation. I actually tell them in the beginning of our work together, you're going to bring your relationship stories into these calls. But the thing we have to remember is we can't help someone who's not on the call with us, especially if they haven't volunteered to do the work here. So all we can do is look at you. What can you do? Which was really the question. The original question was presented by one individual this way. How do you encourage an emotionally closed off partner or friend or fill in the blank to open up to vulnerability and connection? Or can you at all? And I believe you can. It goes back to the things we've been talking about in recent weeks. As you learn about the different styles of insecure attachment, you're not only going to become more aware of why you behave the way you do in relationship, you're going to very easily begin to recognize your partner's styles of insecure attachment. As you learn and grow in self-compassion, coupled with this newfound knowledge of why your partner behaves the way he does, your compassion for him will grow. Hmm... Do you think he might be doing the best he can? Even if it's affecting you negatively, might your response now be, I don't know. But if I navigated our relationship from the belief that he might be doing the best he can, I wonder if my patience and understanding of him might grow and I might be able to understand why he does what he does and realize it might not have anything to do with me. I'm just bearing the brunt of it because he has no idea what to do with those things himself. And if I don't have to take it personally, then maybe my response to him would be different. And I might be able to create an environment in which he doesn't feel accused or reacted to inappropriately. And because now I'm able to separate from it and see it differently and not make it about me, then it's easier for me to set the boundary about what part of it is okay and not okay for me. Can you see how this all fits together? When we get over to the Selfie Community Facebook group, I'm going to share a story with you about my own experience with this within my marriage of 43 years. I look forward to seeing you there. All right, let's take a listener question for Claire. Claire, here is your beauty question. I am the most rested that I've ever been. Yet I wake up every morning with dark circles under my eyes. What is the way to truly combat this? Dark circles under the eyes in, I think, most people's experience are genetic. You know, a lot of people whose parents, you know, moms have dark circles. Over time, they'll start to develop them too. But there are some things that we can do. Um, I really don't think there's any one product that is going to be the savior for this. There's there's a lot of products over the years that have, you know, promised that they can completely eliminate them. But the number one issue I see 
you know, associated with dark circles is dehydration. You know, we as a society, Starbucks, coffee drinkers, we are dehydrated AF, me included. I do not need, I do not drink nearly as much water as I should. So I would start there. If it's something that you actually want to treat for, let's say, I mean, like I said, like long term, there's really no product that's going to fix it. But things like caffeinated tea bags over your eyes for about 15 minutes can really help. Silicone iPads, which are all the rage now, and they come in an array of different kinds. Um, we're actually going to link some here um, today after this um, after after we record. Kristen, I know, has some great ones that she absolutely loves. Um, I believe Sarah did too. And then also tried and true cold cucumbers just to like soothe the inflammation absolutely helps make your eyes, the bags under your eyes and the darkness under your eyes um, look a lot better. But number one issue is dehydration. So make sure that you are checking your water intake and having to pee at least 10 times a day. <laughs> I know for me, like anytime that I increase my water intake, I'm like cursing myself because it's like, ugh, do I really need to pee this many times? Anyway, um, we're going to go ahead and link some of those like silicone eye patches. Those do really help. But as far as a topical cream or potion, oh, I wish there was something for this, but most of the time it's unfortunately genetic and you're probably pretty dehydrated. Hey, thank you for joining us. Continue the self-care conversation with us on Instagram at at selfiepodcast and in the Selfie Podcast community group on Facebook. You can also visit our website to check out the resources we've talked about in each episode at selfiepodcast.com. Make sure to subscribe to Selfie on iTunes so you can catch up with us next week. Take care. Take care.